Welcome to the Tech Trek, where technology leaders share their insights, experiences, and views. Every week, I bring you a new guest. And on today's episode, my name is Lisa Hall. I am the Chief Information Security Officer at Color. Color provides genetic testing and analysis on genes that indicate risk for heart disease and cancer. We also do um, testing for COVID and other things. Yeah, so I head up the security team, the governance, risk, and compliance team, IT, and one of our infrastructure teams. Thanks for being on the podcast. Excited to, to have you on and talk to you about, you know, kind of some of the experiences you've had in security and, and we're going to be dialing in on you know how how each time you've gone through building a security program things are slightly different some of those challenges some of those um some of those experiences and, and, and kind of strategies so i appreciate you taking the time i guess for question one just to kind of kick it off um give us a little bit of high level of what you know the current program looks like in terms of just security of color to give us a baseline yeah, um, color is. We're still a pretty small team, um, but we have um, like small specializations. So we have our security program, which does cover infrastructure security, application security, product security, like the standard security domains, uh, then governance, risk, and compliance. So we are healthcare, so we do have quite a bit of uh, regulatory requirements, as well as we have um, a pretty robust compliance program around like SOC 2, ISO, and of course, HIPAA. And uh, IT, standard corporate information technology, though Color does have a lab because uh, we are a healthcare company. So that has some interesting differences where we actually have a physical location that is um, you know, scientific lab, which is very different than just your average office. Uh, and then the infrastructure teams, which is all about like developer experience and um, helping developers do their job better. So I know, you know, obviously we'll have your LinkedIn profile. People can go ahead and, and look your background up to kind of you know, understand where you've, where you've worked and kind of your, your progression in security. You know, th this podcast, we're going to be talking about how you know, going into each of these companies has required a different strategy. It's a different experience, which is part of the challenge of security, I, I suppose. But maybe at the highest level, let's talk about as you've gone through different companies and you've seen different experiences and different challenges, how do you go into each opportunity, you know, with the fresh set of eyes not to come in there with that preconceived notion, making sure that, you know, you're, you're viewing the problems at that current opportunity the right way? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, that's an interesting role of a CISO is when you can come in and really understand what the business needs. And there isn't just a, like, a playbook you can take to every single company and it's going to work. Um, so early in my career, I consulted with EY um, and I was at a lot of larger companies in the South Bay uh, where you walk in, you're like, well, this is already done. We have a process for this. You know, maybe how can we optimize it? or it's going to change over time, but it mostly exists. Um, and then one of my first startup gigs, I guess, was Twilio. And that was 2013, maybe. I'll have to look at my own LinkedIn uh, profile to reference that. But um, yeah, it was super tiny. I think it was like 150 people when I joined, but we didn't have like, and that part of the fun is, is kind of growing what those processes are going to be. Um, so your job, like understanding that your job's going to change, even though the title may be, you're doing security, no matter what the title is, 
your job description, like you're probably going to do a lot more outside of your job description, <laughs> quote unquote, uh, for more, for smaller companies in a startup, like, well, that hasn't been done. Like there's points in my life where I like owned the vendor onboarding process. Like, yeah, generally in a larger company, security will own the third party risk part of that. Like we'll review the vendor for risk. Um, but sometimes there's, there's nothing there. So you're like, I guess we're building it. We need to get this done. So we're going to, we're going to create a process for that. And that involves like talking to finance, talking to, you know, IT, talking to procurement and all these other organizations that maybe traditionally security wouldn't like have day-to-day interactions with. Um, so really just, I guess, understanding what the business needs for each company and how to, how to bring security to two different levels of orgs. And sometimes those um, orgs are like engineering centric where you, you hop in, you're like, Oh, all these engineers are already thinking about security. This is great. Or they're like a very different type of company where you have to do a little bit more education and really show what the value of security is. And sometimes it's, you know, regulatory focus. Like I think before I'm sure that, sometimes like companies like color or companies that are very like HIPAA driven or regulatory driven, that's probably the first thing they think about. And then they go into, you know, maybe more of the like standard security mechanisms. So yeah, it really is just understanding the business first and then where the things you've learned (laughs) you can actually bring and make useful. It's like, if I went into a company in the beginning, like 150 person company with the vision that it will operate like Google, like I will be very disappointed and, and sad, yeah. that's not like, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> of course. Of course. I guess, you know, you're, you're there to evaluate security program, evaluate risk, evaluate what should be addressed, I guess, as you kind of go into these different opportunities, different size orgs, there are different levels of maturity. You have to keep readjusting how you evaluate your risk, I suppose. Oh, definitely. Um, and so- sometimes it's just getting people to think about risk more. Um, generally, when I come into a company, no matter what the size is, I kind of start you know, look at what they have. And sometimes that is evaluating from scratch to a certain degree, like doing interviews with people and kind of doing that sort of high level risk assessment approach for like, let me talk to people. Let me see what they think and how they view security and what they think is risky. And you've got like the standard, like, yes, I'll fill out this, you know, sheet that has all the like, what's my threat? (laughs) How could this actually affect us? But like just having those conversations and and really getting to understand like what people envision security being there, like what they want to see from the security program can be pretty impactful. Absolutely. You you mentioned, um, you know, different types of orgs. Engineering centric is, is one type. I guess when you go into an engineering versus non-engineering centric company, does anything change your, your approach or your, the, the way you, you, you enter that opportunity? Yeah, I think, you know, engineering first orgs, um, generally they're already thinking about security, at least on, you know, engineering security, (laughs) engineering security side. So it is a little easier to like have those conversations. And I think the levers that you use to establish a program are just different, right? Um, And they can be, it's kind of like finding your partners across the org. Um, Like at Color, I knew that we already had an established like 
legal program and that regulatory risk was already a thought for us just being in healthcare. So that was a, a lever that I could use to tie into other work that we really wanted to get done is like, Hey, this also is related to us like doing the right thing. And, you know, um, where, yeah, engineering centric, it's like, if you want to talk about, I don't know, enforcing protected branches or something, you're like, I want everyone to do a peer review on code. People are probably already like, those conversations are going to be a little bit easier. Not that, not that like healthcare companies don't have that mentality. It's just that they're, you know, the first goal is like doing healthcare. <laughs> like we're, you know, we want to, we want to protect people and we're not like building this product that's doing a security thing. So it's just the approach is going to be a little different. I always think, um, as we all put tools in our toolboxes, Every time you go to a new job, there, hopefully you're expanding the options you have of what you can do, which is also a blessing and a curse because the more levers uh, you you might be able to pull or, or not pull means there's trade-offs in your mind. I, I guess as you've been adding to your toolbox and you know you look at a company and you're like, well, these are the levers I could pull, but obviously you have to look at where they're on the maturity, state of security, the org, the org type, those those pulling those levers seem a lot more art than science when we really think about it. Oh, definitely. And I, and yeah, I think a part of it is really just understanding where what's going to get the most value for you. Like prior to color, I was at pager duty and like our whole thing was availability, right? Like we send notifications out and people need those notifications. So availability is, is huge where, maybe something where we just send emails and people can get them over like a day or two and it's not a big deal. Availability may not be the biggest thing to worry about. So you saying, Hey, our uptime has to be 99.999 for a company where that really isn't, you know, it's important that we have uptime, but it's not as relevant. They're going to be like, why, why are you, why are you focusing on this thing that may not be the most important thing to us? Um, so yeah, it is, I guess it's an art and just the, the understanding of the business again, like security has to relate to the business. Otherwise people will just look at you like, it's great. You have this, like, yeah, you ever, you want to be super scared and super available and all these things, but like, what's the most important to you today? I guess the concept of uh, insecurity, maybe more than I guess any other technology pillar, finding a champion is, is constantly talked about. It's, it's, it's super important. I, I guess when you enter a company and you're looking to find a champion, obviously different size companies, different circumstances, I get that. I guess what kind of attributes do you look for to, to find that, that right partner, the, the person that could potentially help you promote, establish the processes you need to put in place? What I've found mostly is that there's already people sprinkled around that are thinking and caring about security. So like, you don't have to be a salesperson <laughs> with the, with those folks. They're already like, Hey, I have these ideas. I'm trying to do this. Um, and they may not have a security background, but they're like, those are my first champions. I'm like, Oh, you are already thinking about this and you've been asking these questions and now I can come in and kind of help raise those up a little bit more and like have the new face that comes in and says, Oh, you know, we've been hearing this, but now this person's coming in and, and like validating what, what's been, been said. That's usually the first place I look, um, is just finding the people who actually are like excited about security and see the value there. And then of course, 
looping in everybody else after like, Hey, here's, here's the initiatives we're working on here. How, here's how it can actually affect you. Like here's how security brings the return on investment to, you know, to the sales team or <laughs> to our business. Here's how we can actually affect the product and we're your friends. And then you already have your champions who are like, yep, we've been thinking about this before you got here. There you go. I like that. I, I know you spent uh, a little bit of time at Ernst Young um, a few years back, and I always kind of look at that stop in consulting as you know, different than working for the company itself. How how did spending time in consulting did it actually change the way you view you know your job? That you know, once you're obviously working at a particular company, did it help in that way? Did it? Did it adjust the way you see things, just having that experience of working for a consulting company? Yeah, I think, I mean, I really appreciated working for a consulting company because it gave me the opportunity to see what like a variety of companies were doing, where if I were at one company during that time, I would have learned something, but it wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been able to jump around as much, you know, I mean, technically, I guess you could leave your job every few months, but that would be... <laughs> that sounds like a lot of trouble just to, to get that experience. Um, so it was really interesting because I got to work for companies that had data centers. They're like, yep, we're on-prem. Uh, I got to work for companies who were migrating, who had both. Um, and I got to work for companies that were just cloud-based and really kind of see all of that. So when I even went to a company, you know, a startup that's just in the cloud, I knew what it looked like when it was actually in a data center. I know what they're talking about whatever fancy word they're using for serverless, I know they mean servers <laughs> or whatever they're talking about. Um, so I think that really helped. And also just putting things in perspective, um, seeing like what people do right, leveraging what I thought worked really well at some, some of the companies um, that we could use other places, um, just using, using that experience and understanding when things wouldn't work well. Like, yep, that worked well there because they had a dedicated SOC team <laughs> that could manage, you know, build their own stuff or whatever it is um, where it's like, nope, our team's two people. We're probably not going to be building our own secrets manager today. <laughs> That's funny. I, I guess, you know, as you kind of look at, you know, the notion of quick wins, people, you know, take a job and I, I'm an XBI person. So it was always like, how do you, how do you establish a quick win? You want to get a report in somebody's hand while, you know, you've got a ton of plumbing to build. Security has its own notion of, you know, there's a long-term uh, plan, but still nice to deliver some quick wins. How, how do you deal with those quick wins? Yeah, I, I love breaking up big projects into small manageable pieces. <laughs> and I think it's really important to celebrate those quick wins, um, especially for, you know, people coming into a company. I always try to do that for my new hires. I'm like, okay, maybe the thing you're going to be working on is vulnerability management. And that's massive and like never ends and difficult, but like, what is the quick win we can get? So I think it's really important. Um, and finding those things that it really depends to you on the level you're, you're, kind of reporting to, but, um, for example, if you want, like you want to do some AWS cleanup or something, you're like, okay, this is massive. We know that we want to like have all of our buckets encrypted or at a reduce access in general, privilege access. Maybe there's like, there's one instance you found that was just costing the company a bunch of money and like, yeah, it's good to like shut down unused things, but like that would be a quick win that I would elevate up. I'd be like, Hey, 
you know, we were doing some cleanup, security focused, but we ended up saving like a bunch of money while we were doing this um, and just calling out the things that, you know, can can kind of give security the visibility because a lot of times we do operate in the background. We're like, yeah, we restricted some access. Nobody even they weren't using it. Didn't really affect anybody like, yay, (laughs) but really pulling those things out. So I try to do a lot of like, I'm big on regular communications for security, like those quick wins in newsletters and like having a seat uh, at the like whatever company all hands or engineering all hands where you can really talk about what you're doing. Um, And you just kind of tune it to not engineer speak. Like everybody understands saving money. Everybody understands getting your, you know, password owned or things that you can just be like, Hey, here's how we're helping the company in, in words that aren't just acronyms. That's fair. And, and obviously, you know, you've worked for some different size companies, right? Some, some well-known brands, some smaller brands, all kinds of different companies. How has your onboarding process chain, meaning your first 90 days, um, you've gone through a couple times. How have you improved your own first 90 day experience to make sure you're able to put in play the right things as fast as you can? Hmm. I like that question. I think um, over time, I've just taken more ownership in the role where earlier in my career um, or different companies, I was kind of like, okay, what do, what do y'all want? Like, what do you need? What am I here for? And now I, I come in and observe a little bit and then take and take more ownership. Like, oh, here's what I see. And I think we need without not being a bully, like not coming in and being like, oh, this is all your baby's ugly and we're going to need to tear it down. Uh, like, this is just all bad. Um, but like tactfully noticing what a company actually needs and then kind of tuning my role to that because like a lot of security roles, especially in like management are like, they're varied, right? Information security officer could be so many different things with so many different focuses. So really figuring that out and not like waiting for someone to tell me what it should be, like what they're looking for. (laughs) So that's probably been the thing I've, I've learned the most. Um, and overall, just making connections with people right away and talking to people, like figuring out what, like how they see the business and what they think is important hasn't changed. Like that's good to do no matter what. That's interesting. I, I, it's, um, you know, part of what I took away from that was understanding your voice and, and how to articulate, you know, your thoughts, obviously, without being too forward with, I mean, it's it's a delicate balance, right? Obviously you're new. If you ruffle the wrong feathers up front, then you have to overcome that later. If you're maybe too passive, then you don't have authority. That voice is really hard to find. And and again, management, a lot of it to me is more art than science. How do you, or how have you experienced being able to find that right voice for the right situation? Cause, cause it is very tricky. I think just being an like an I guess I would call it an empathetic leader. I don't know. It's it's interesting. Like I've had a lot of experiences even during interviews or helping companies figure out what they want for a CISO role, where you get just so many different personalities, so many different backgrounds. And I think during that process, that's when I know if it's the right company for me. Like it has to be a good match both ways, um, like a good partnership. And part of that is recognizing, like, am I the right voice? Am I the right person for this role? It's just like getting 
sometimes company need, companies need a CISO who's just like an engineer who's going to get in there and like build the thing. Sometimes company needs the, they need the CISO who's going to like talk to customers and do all the customer calls, or are you going to be talking to the board or not? Like all of these things change the tone of like what kind of leader, what kind of CISO you, you would be or would be ideal. And it could be different for each role. So yeah, I just think being paying attention to that, like those, the social aspects of it. And I wouldn't really call it the politics, but it's just like kind of, yeah, trying to understand where, like what parts, what parts of your, like the good parts about what you've experienced, you can bring to that company. Um, sometimes it is like being a little more like, all right, I'm the leader of this thing or all right, that, that person really loves that thing. I'm going to step away from that. Like that's their jam. <laughs> I'm just going to be like a helper to the side. I don't need to own that. I'm just, yeah. Empathy is probably the best word for it. Have you noticed over the years as security is growing in discussion, importance and weight, have you noticed that your voice has changed, obviously, because, you know, the security is, you know, the top one, the top two should be top one, but it's always you know, in the top three of initiatives everyone wants to focus on. Has that given you more confidence in knowing you're so crucial to the business, you need to have that voice? Yeah, it's interesting because I, I think, I mean, I realizing, yes, I've been doing this a long time. Damn it, I am old. No, but I mean, like when I was going to school, like there wasn't information security as a degree, <laughs> right? You could take CS. <laughs> yeah, so I think like now if you get an enterprise risk assessment, you know, if you get it done by an external party, chances are cybersecurity is going to be like the top five on there. Like people are just paying attention more. So I feel like it is, it is a little different where you automatically are going to have some kind of like voice or seat at the table now with security because it's just, it's people talk about it more. It's in the news. Um, the board's asking about it. Uh, you know, regulatory officers are like, you need to see. So I don't know, wherever it's just, it's everywhere. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that's, that's definitely helped. Like it's, it's always surprising and like a great thing when I see that, because <laughs> I feel like there's less of a battle, like security is less of like, we're having to force ourselves into business where now it's just like, yep, we're just, we're part of it. Just like, just like every other function. Absolutely. I think, yeah, your, your background's obviously fantastic. And I think, uh, yeah, I, I really like, you know, you mentioned the empathetic voice, which I, which I think, especially in security where, you know, it's, 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 it's such a business impact right now, you know, it's such a heavy spotlight on it. And I can't envision that the spotlight will change. Like, it's hard for me to fathom like, oh, you know, three years from now, people will be like, you know what? It's less important now. We went through the, you know, that, that bubble phase. And I'm like, ah, this is not a bubble. This is, this is what it should have been. And, and, and it's driving some of those business conversations, which I think is now shifting the view of security, shifting the view of the role of the, of the CISO. I mean, obviously you know that, but it's, it's really interesting to hear how the different places you've gone and kind of the maturation of, of as security has, has gotten more important. Your, your role has slightly shifted each time. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I don't think it's a fad. It's probably not going anywhere. It's not, it's not, (laughs) I I know we've had other bubbles. I don't know. This is a bubble. So I'm going to be put that out there. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, before I let you go, I'm going to run through uh, a few things just to kind of get to, uh, get to know you better, uh, pick your brain. 
and kind of run through some of these questions with you. I'm a big fan of productivity hacks. I'm always trying to uh, hear what I could pick up. Um, do you have a productivity hack that, that helps you stay organized? I mean, overall, I like automation. Like if I can automate something, I'm like, can we just automate this? Why am I manually doing this anymore? I feel like I use the eyes. Is it the Eisenhower matrix? Like a lot. It's just like, is this important? Should I be doing it now? Like, can I delegate this? Um, And I feel like I've shared that with a lot of my managers, uh, people that I manage in the past where it's like, look, even though you you feel like you own it all, because ultimately you do, like you have to make decisions on what's the actual thing, actual thing you need to do today. So I like that idea of like, if it's important and like, you should, you should just do it. If it's, if it's not important or you can delegate it, do it. <laughs> so that's probably, I don't know if that's productivity, but yeah, that keeps me from working till, you know, like 10 PM every that's day. <laughs> it. That's, 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 that's a win. I, I like that Eisenhower matrix. I think that's really, uh, I've actually tried to put it on paper. I realized I'd do it much better in my mind. So I, I like this one. I like yeah, it's this like one. a good reference. <laughs> it is. It is. It's it's a good way of you know putting things in check and understanding your your involvement in something before you're too deep down the rabbit hole. Other question I was going to ask you is what motivates you about your job? Ooh, I'm I really enjoy the people I work with. Um, so like building teams and having I don't know just having the rapport with with people that I work with is like a huge motivator for me. Um, it can, it has probably in good and bad ways. It really affects my happiness and my, like, if I'm happy at work <laughs> and yeah, see, and seeing the impact. Um, I really enjoy seeing like impact of, of the work we're doing. So it's, that's motivational where I feel maybe that's why I enjoy those small wins <laughs> going back to the, it's like, look, we did a thing and it had impact and look at how great this is. I think that's part of it. It, In healthcare, it's a little easier because I'm like, ah, we're affecting people's lives. Like this feels great. (laughs) If you could take away one thing about your job, or or maybe we call it the least favorite part, however way you'd like to look at it of your job, what what would that be? I don't know if there's a way I didn't need so many meetings. (laughs) I think that's a fair one. That's a fair one. That's kind of... I don't know if that's a good one, but yeah, I feel like I don't think I've cracked the code of like super productive meetings. Like I'm a huge fan of working meetings where it's like, let's do a meeting and like, let's get the thing done during the meeting. Um, And I, especially in the virtual environment, like everybody's remote, our entire team is remote. So I haven't quite figured out how to like get the camaraderie, I guess, part of it without having a packed day of like just seeing people on zoom. Um, maybe it's impossible. I don't know. <laughs> That's a tricky one. I, I'd, I'd like to find a way out of meetings as well. So I think somebody will eventually find a, a way to make a lot of money doing that. Final question for you. Tomorrow you win the lottery. Don't have to come back to your job. You could come back to your job, but if you don't have to come back to your job, what would you do? What would, what, how would you want to spend the rest of your days? I love that. Do you have a ticket? Should I go get a ticket now? <laughs> like, uh, I'm, I'm gonna, uh, if, I, if I get a good scratcher, I'll let you know and we'll, we'll go have these on. I would still go back to my job for a bit, for sure. I, I feel, I do feel connected. Like I would want to, I like finishing the things I start or like getting things to, to a good place kind of person. I would definitely just take some time off, uh, kind of do some hobbying. I would love to just like spend time 
I don't know, doing some creative things, probably some of it involving computers still. Um, but yeah, otherwise I would, I would probably just do that. Spend time with family and friends and yeah, maybe dabble in security, like as a part-time thing. <laughs> Aside from yeah. just freelance a couple hours a week to yes. keep your, your skills sharp. I, I like, like that. I like it. <laughs> All right, Lisa. Well, th- thank you for being on. Thank you for sharing. It's been great having you here. Thanks so much. Thank you. That's it for this episode. I'll be back again with a different guest, a different topic. Until then, please like, subscribe, share, leave a comment wherever you are watching or listening to this episode. I can't thank you enough if you do. Until next time, thank you and goodbye.